This is the John Oakley Show podcast. It's time for that part of the program where we listen to the opinions of people who are in the know. So that's topics worthy of discussion, sponsored by Pizzaville Pound 3636. Boy, I bet they sold a lot of pizza last night. Mike Van Solen, principal at Navigator. Good to have you aboard. Great to be here, Peter. Nice to hear your voice. Good to oh. chat. All right. And Lindsay Broadhead is with us, corporate communication strategist. Lindsay, good day. Good day, sir. How are you? I'm just fine. And uh, did you watch the game? I did. Okay, well, we're going to talk about the game in a minute. I have to say. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Halftime was great. That's what we're going to talk about, (laughs) halftime. Kelly Harris, principal of Harris Public Affairs, also a columnist for QP Briefing and the Niagara Independent, and an old friend of mine from Queen's Park Days. Hi, Kelly. Hey, Peter. How are you? I am just great, and I hope you are the same. So I was expecting to see you on the halftime show because I do know that you like being down in Miami so much. I wasn't there, but you might have seen uh, Oakley. (laughs) <laughs> Oakley was there. Oakley he's back tomorrow. Anyway, um, let's let's get into that for a second because there's some criticism. I can't believe it personally, but maybe I, I just like uh, nice-looking dancers with uh, long legs. Uh, I, I'm not trying to be a smartass, but there are people who are saying that that show was over the top and not in a good way. And the halftime show, most of you saw it. Some of you didn't. Jennifer Lopez, Shakira, um, great contemporary uh, performers, singer-dancers. They del- delivered, I think, a dazzling performance. Uh, and and so the question of all of you, and if you haven't seen the game, maybe you can defer, but I think you all did, or at least the halftime show. Um, what did you think of it? Because people are saying, some people are saying, they show too much. Let's start with you, Lindsay. Um, yes, the female opinion first. Here we go. Um, look, when I'm 50, I'm not quite there yet. If I can do any of those moves, I will happily do it wearing most anything. So uh, I have no judgment <laughs> whatsoever. Uh, you know, there's a whole, uh, you know, narrative around, you know, what kids are seeing and, and are these good role models. And at the end of the day, yes, they, you know, there was uh, good communications, good messaging, uh, it was actually uh, subtly political, which I thought was fantastic. Um, and it's well, it was in yeah. the sense that both of those performers are very well-known Latinas, and they're performing in a game that is, that's in the middle of a stadium in Miami, which is a, uh, a primarily Spanish-speaking city. I think that was brilliant. Totally. And the, you know, I was wondering if we we're going to have more of an overt political moment like the, the Beyonce um, uh, moment in years, pa- in years past. But what was so cool about this is, you know, I'm a uh, mainstream white woman from Toronto. Um, I can't read all the subtleties of uh, some of the, the political statements that they were making because I'm not familiar with the dances or the language or the moves. And they were speaking directly to um, very definitive and specific populations who could read those messages. And I think it's very cool. Interesting comment. Let's move to Kelly, because Kelly, I have no doubt that you watched the game. Did you enjoy the game? I did. I really did enjoy the game. It was a great game. That qu- that last quarter was unbelievable. Uh, if you don't like Patrick Mahomes, you don't like football. I guess that's true. I mean, I'm not I'm not a sports guy, which the listeners know, but I'm uh, interested in public affairs, and certainly the Super Bowl is a piece of public affairs. So I at least watched uh, the end of it because a friend of mine tipped me off. This is all going to happen in the final quarter, and uh, the the Kansas City Kings are going to come from behind. And uh, did, did I say Kings? Yes, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> okay, following in Trump's footsteps. Yes, that's you right. You didn't say the state, the great state of Kansas, though. So you're good from the great state of Kansas. 
anyway, they, they, they pulled it out in the fourth quarter, and it was very exciting football, and I made sure that I watched the halftime show by looking at it uh, on the web because I wasn't watching it live, but I was, I was uh, appropriately impressed. Do you agree with Lindsay Kelly? Um, I thought it was fantastic. I absolutely adore Shakira, so she could pretty much do anything, and I'm going to support her. Um, also, there was a lot less skin showed than a certain Super Bowl in Miami, if you remember, when uh, Ms. Jackson was performing. Oh, the um, uh, the wardrobe mishap. Yes, and uh, I, I don't know how they kept Pitbull off the stage. And somebody They must have used security for that one, but uh, I thought it was fantastic, and... At no time in my life have I ever been as fit or looked as good or moved like either of those women. So good for them. It's spectacular. It's spectacular. If you take, if you take a look at J-Lo, and, you know, I can't tell you that I'm honestly a fan. I like Shakira more, but I'm still not honestly a fan of the kind of performance that they do. But I, it's, it's like I'm not a fan of Celine Dion, but I acknowledge that she's a spectacular singer. So I, I look at these people, and I look at J-Lo. J-Lo is 50 years old. It's, she's not over the hill, but 50 years old. And she's spinning down a pole. Uh, you know the way that she did, and the way that, the way that she made the entrance, absolutely amazing. And, and I have a feeling that Mike Van Sol and you agree. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know this quarter of the internet, uh, this quarter of humanity who feels this need to be outraged by what they saw. Um, well, I, I watched it. I need to. Be- Sorry, we're to, I watched it without, uh, I think I have a little mic problems here, but I watched it without uh, the, the Twitter machine on. And uh, at the end of it, I, I thought it was just a fantastic uh, a fantastic show. Uh, certainly the athleticism of the two dancers was amazing. Um, it was just a great sort of celebration of Latin American culture, I thought, in a, in a place where it was totally appropriate to do that. They did weave in some, uh, some subtle messaging, as uh, Lindsay correctly points out. Um, so I think the, you know, the outrage mob can uh, move on. They'll find something new tomorrow. There you go. So I, I think we're going to put that to bed and say that the people who want to be outraged can go and be outraged all on their own. Uh, that was a good event. That was just generally speaking, it was a good football event. It was a good people event. It was a good spirit event for the people of Miami and for anybody who watched on TV. And four out of four of us enjoyed it. So let's move on to things that are closer to home. And um, w- let me ask you a question. And, and let me start with, uh, I'll go back to you, Kelly, uh, because you spent some, some time at Queen's Park particularly, uh, and at this point, Doug Ford is saying, and he, he did so at the Wyerton Willie event over the weekend, we're losing our patience vis-a-vis the teachers' unions, and he's saying it ahead of a week that's now started, and that week is uh, fraught with school absences by teachers uh, on all levels. So you've got the high school teachers out one day and you've got uh, the elementary teachers out another day, some of them more than one day. You've got rotating stuff through different boards. It's almost impossible to take care of things when you've got high school kids. Well, they can take care of themselves. You've got elementary kids. You interrupt even things economic because not all parents can take advantage of, uh, uh, even if they're paid money by the government or reimbursed, they can't find uh, daycare and whatnot. Uh, let me ask you, Kelly, directly. Are you losing your patience? Well, wasn't it fitting that on Groundhog Day we talk about teachers' strikes and teachers' actions in Ontario? I mean, it seems like Groundhog Day every day with this group and this cabal out there who doesn't understand that the purpose of schools is to educate children, isn't to uh, get raises over and above what the government can afford every single time they go to the bat. So, yeah, am am I tired of it? I'm tired of talking about it on this radio station every time I'm on here, so I wish they could settle something. I really do. 
All right. Um, that's a way of speaking about it. Unfortunately, and, and with apologies to everybody out there, if you're tired of it, uh, we're not going to stop talking about it until it goes away because it affects uh, so many people out there. Uh, let me put it to you, Lindsay. Uh, is this something that's gone on long enough and requires uh, some kind of resolution? Um, look, I think there's no doubt that all sides are losing patience. Uh, it's just a question of, uh, you know, how we're going to get over this. Um, I think Ford is facing a huge dilemma, though, because as far as I know, uh, the public relations math doesn't really add up. You have, as far as I'm aware, um, you know, unions, teachers, and parents on the whole who are who are supporting uh, the the teachers' position. Um, so, you know, Ford and uh, Lecce can get as uh, bold as they want in terms of, um, uh, you, you know, trying to create either a wedge between the teachers of the unions or, uh, you know, teasing out the idea of, um, you know, mandatory uh, going back to work legislation, etc. But I'm not sure that is in their best interest right now from a from a PR point of view. Um, and I'm not sure if mid-strike is the time to, um, to have these kind of discussions. I do think we need to form a different relationship between the government and unions as it, as it relates to teachers writ large. But you've got to do that during uh, peace times. Well, it would be nice to do it during peacetime. We had a long time in the lead up because we were talking about this. You know, Kelly just tired of talking about it on this radio station or anywhere else. Um, if you go back, I was doing shows in July and the contract hadn't even expired yet, much less anybody sat down at the table and, uh, and we were talking about it. We could have been resolving it. We don't seem to be able to resolve it because we put rules in at bo on both sides that are uh, irreconcilable. So let me uh, jump over to you, Mike Van Solen, and, and uh, just put this on the table because I think it's being alluded to but not said. Should we be looking at back-to-work legislation? Or let me take it a step further because I'm hearing rumblings at, the, at higher levels of this government that I that I am in touch with, that uh, it, it's not beyond the realm of possibility that we start talking essential service. Well, look, if uh, the government thinks it's expensive today uh, to pay teachers what they want, just make them an essential service. Um, I think the best solution would be for a negotiated settlement. There's nothing wrong with the collective bargaining process, uh, but people have to come to it in good faith. Uh, I think it's a real challenge that we're describing this as a PR battle and who's going to win over the hearts and minds of Ontarians. I get how that's uh, the fact, but as well, the other fact is that this government doesn't have the money and the financial resources to pay the teachers the raise that they want. They are already the highest paid uh, teachers in the country. They received over, you know, the last government was really good to them. We know that. They, uh, salary increased over 80% over the life of the previous Liberal government, while the number of teachers only increased by 12%. Uh, they're doing very well. The government is the only one who has moved. They've reduced the number of online courses that they're asking for. They've reduced the proposed uh, class size. What I don't see is the union moving off its position at all. It wants more money. It wants a bigger raise. The, this, the Ford government, while it's putting uh, you know billion dollars more into education, uh, the union is out there saying that there's been cuts to education. That's not true. So the PR battle will go on. Uh, the teachers do have huge leverage because they are able to hold kids out of schools, and uh, yeah, no doubt that gets uh, parents uh, pretty riled. 
Well, there's a contention, Lindsay. I'm going to stay with this subject for a minute. There's a contention that um, the 2% is barely a cost of living raise. And I think that it's very important, and nobody seems to be doing this, to, to put down a definition in terms. A cost of living raise is that amount of raise that would cover um, your increase in your rent or mortgage, your food, in other words, the, the basics. It, a cost of living raise is not the amount of the cost of living taken as a, uh, a multiple uh, of your entire salary. And these guys and women are taking home, uh, well, they're, they're earning, uh, the best part of $100,000. So is the 1% that the government proposes reasonable? Because I agree with Mike. I think that uh, un- unless the teacher's position is unless you give us 2%, we're not going anywhere, as in back to work on a full-time basis, happy. And the government is, we're not going to 2%. Right. And I think that there's there's two sides of this, though, obviously, is I think the way in which the government went to the table by uh, legislating this uh, early in the year, uh, making it one percent, uh, going against the contract rules. That's not helpful. Um, unilaterally deciding about class sizes and e-learning. That's not helpful. Um Cost of living is one part of this discussion, one dis- one part of this pie, but I think the government unfortunately created rumblings um, in terms of a relationship um, far before they even got to the table, and that's a core part of this that's problematic. Is now the time to be asking for two... So that's one thing. Is now the time to be asking for 2%? In my opinion, no, right? Um, uh, we're in major deficit uh, from a, a, a provincial point of view. We we need to rectify that, and everyone needs to play a part in that. Uh, however, I think uh, the government isn't being uh, totally straight when it keeps talking about price is the only factor in this. Uh, I think they could have had other negotiation plays uh, earlier on. I think... Uh, I, I- I would love to have been in the room. Sorry. Yes. Go, go ahead. Yeah. Make your point. Yeah, yeah. Peter, I was just going to jump in. I, look, I, I think you could look at the government's communications around this, as, as Lindsay points out. Um, I think they did their level best to try to set the terms of, of what was going to take place. They passed the legislation to say, look, public servants, uh, this time around, with our deficit where it is, we can't afford more than 1% salary increases. Um, they made some, some noise around what they wanted to do in the classroom with uh, some online courses, uh, with uh, moving some class sizes for the older grades. Um, and the government's been willing to kind of negotiate on, on most of those, except for the 1% piece. Uh, but I haven't seen, I can't name a thing that the union has moved on. So, um, it, look, it's a tough it's a tough spot. I think, uh, I think the government did its level best to try to understand and set the terms of debate of what they were able to do uh, in the context of, of, in the context of actually funding education more than it had been in the past. The, the education envelope has never been bigger in this province, but yet we find ourselves in this intractable labor dispute. There you go. The final word on this one before we take a break to Kelly Harrison. Kelly, uh, you know, you've followed this stuff for a very long time. Seems to me, and I'm sure it seems to you, the people who set the terms of what is going to happen in the classroom from a curriculum point of, point of view or whether you're going to do online courses or, or whatever it happens to be, uh, it, it, they reside at the ministry. They don't reside in the offices of the Elementary Teachers Federation of Ontario or OSSTF. Um, do you think that the, the government has been fair in setting those terms? And do you think that, yeah, it really does come down to money. Well, I, I think the government's been fair. They're trying to move and change the way that we educate kids nowadays. And, and anybody who sees the way, even, even in the corporate world, 
Um, there is a great, everything you do is online. So why, why does it still have to be the way we were, we were taught 20, 30 years ago in the classrooms? I, I don't understand that. But what I would say is I would like somebody to simply ask all the teach all the unions, what do we have to give you in, for class sizes and online learning so that you will accept the 1%? And if their answer is nothing, then it's then clear. we know the answer. We know the answer that Love this that. is only about money, and that's what the premier has been saying, and that's what Minister Lecce has been saying. If the government was to come to the table and say we will drop class sizes to fifteen, will you take a one percent then? And if they still say no, then we know what the answer is. Well, I would be very surprised if we didn't, in the next period of days, and I'm, I'm talking days, not weeks, um, get some motion on this, and it might not be the motion that everybody wants. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.